Welcome to another episode of the X-Experts Divorce Etc. podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And keep in mind, you can get X-Experts in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter, get the latest news and find out all about our events before anyone else, plus access special discounts and prices. Head to xexperts.com to subscribe. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast today. We are thrilled to have Abby Rosemarin. She's an attorney and therapist. And I found Abby, not walking down the street because we're in COVID land, but um, through some other amazing women. And that's the power of networking and reaching out and connecting with others. Um, She really helps people going through change and conflict. And so we are going to talk about that specifically recognizing and reconciling where you are in your life and in your in your mind and in your place and should you move forward are you good where you are you know kind of digging deeper on that so welcome to our podcast today thanks for being here abby thanks for having me it's really exciting to participate in your venture so i'm I'm loving this thank you yeah so let's start from there i mean I guess, you know, of course, when you go through a divorce, well, maybe it's not, of course, but for me, hmm. I definitely started looking at myself a little bit more than pointing fingers all the time. Um, I had very low confidence in terms of mothering and being a friend and being a person. I like almost didn't recognize myself. Mm-hmm. So take us through all of this. You, ha- you have um, an awesome dual perspective, being an attorney by trade and also a therapist by trade. So you have, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, because it seems like where you're coming from is so much deeper, right? Cause it's not just one or the other. So like your insight is gonna be fascinating. Okay, um, well, thanks. I, um, you're asking me, I just wanna make sure you're asking me, how do you, uh, take what you want to do and make it something that is aligned with what you are possibly able to do and also feel good about. Is that sort of? Right, and also based on where you are. Like I could dream about a lot of things, but if I was still like in conflict with myself. Right, how do you? That dream is further and further away, right? Yeah. So a lot of this comes down to, we each have our own temperament. We each have our own worldview. We each have our own way that we were raised and we each have our own um, allocation of values as to what matters to us, right? And each of us is different. And there's lots of reasons for that as I'm sure you all both know. So what you wanna do um, has to first go to, what is your capacity to do that to conceptualize it and to do it in the moment. You might have an idea of what you want to be henceforth, but you might not have all the skills or the support to be able to get there today. So one first big takeaway is assessment. Assessment in relation to what you want, what you're capable of doing, and uh, understanding that uh, it's a process and not an event. People very rarely, yeah, 
Jessica. Well, I was going to say, well, so how does someone even start that assessment? How does someone know what to do to, in order to facilitate that assessment for themselves? Okay, so there are different types of assessments. So there's the assessment of, of what you are able to do as a person in the world, like what is your temperament, what is your skill base, what is your community support, how do you handle change, which is what divorce is all about, right? What are your feelings now? What are your judgments about yourself? That's much more on the um, self-insight realm and also the environmental realm of what you have as resources to help you get there on the, we can go both ways, right? So then on the legal realm, there is, what do I expect to get if I have to fight for what I want in a particular framework, the legal framework? How are my expectations are gonna be managed? And why am I fighting for the thing I'm fighting for? Am I fighting for the thing I'm fighting for to win? And I don't really care about the outcome, I just wanna win? Or am I fighting because the outcome is so very, very important to me that I'll do anything to get that outcome because I think it's important to me and I think it's important to my children, right? I'm curious in your experience, yeah. percentage ballpark you would say are fighting for the thing just for the sheer sake of fighting for the thing. Oh. So I am a partner in a law firm and I mostly work as a mediator. So I'm working with people who are looking for a collaborative or compromise resolution. Okay. All my partners litigate and a lot of the associates litigate and they also do collaborative and mediation. But um, so for, our, for my work with people, I am asking them to come to a mutual resolution. Right. But I am highly aware that some people are unable to do that in their in 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 conflict, and that it is safer for them not to do it that way. So people have different conflict styles. We all show up in a particular moment with a particular conflict style on anything, and they all are important to access, but depending on the circumstance. So you can have someone. Um, so the realm is uh, you could avoid. The conflict that's very powerful in a lot of situations you could accommodate you could be competitive which is sort of the win-lose right mm -hmm. you could compromise which is the 50 you each get 50 percent we both end up unhappy right and you can have the collaborative where we look at an interest-based understanding of what would be best for everything that matters to us and we find a way to um, achieve that by uh, basically looking at the pie and expanding the pie that's the sort of technical terms. And I could explain all those, but your conflict style shows up. Yeah. No, but right, but I'm just curious. I just think it's like an, like it'd be like a, almost like a fun fact. Like 50% uh -huh. you know, of people who go in that are fighting over the China or, you know, that painting, like they're like, I don't even like that shit, but like they're going to fight for it just so the yeah. other person doesn't get yeah. it. I'm just curious to know, like, is there some kind of a range that you can kind of guesstimate what the percentage of that is? Is it more than 50% that are fighting just for the sake of fighting for it? Or is it less than that? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, there are going to be people who are going to negotiate at a certain point, but I don't know. Yeah, so I don't have an... I don't have a number, um, but I do have a number that more likely the people who are litigating are forced, even if they don't want to, to be in a win-lose um, way of negotiating because when you are litigating the only most of the time not every time for me to win requires you to lose there's right. some times where we split the difference mm -hmm. but 
often it's a win-lose dynamic. I'll tell you a story and maybe this helps understand this. I had clients that were in mediation and they came to me and they were very proud of themselves. They came to me the first time and they said, I have everything. We have everything figured out. We have just, we just need you to write this up, right? Yep, I've been there. We, okay, and we went through a bunch of different things and yes, indeed, they had 99.9% .9 of the things done, but they didn't have done one rug that they bought in Marrakesh 20 years ago. <laughs> and we spent a very, very long time discussing that rug. Now, a very long time, a very heated long time discussing that rug. They had figured out custody, child support, lots of other things, not the rug. So mm -hmm. is it a, so I ask, the reason why I'm saying this is because is it about the rug? Or is it about what those feelings are underneath the rug? Is it about that are attached to the rug? So who yeah. got the rug? Well, it's not about, it's, it, well, before I tell you who got the rug, it's about how did they manage, if they figured out the rug, then they figured out their divorce. You and think that's were, what it was? Well, I know that's what it was because they were, I mean, I do, not because I'm so smart, but because it took us a long time thank God I was a, I'm a therapist, to unpack what this meaning around this rug is. How could you figure out custody for your children and child support and you, you know. So that was the change. last piece that had to get done in order to move forward and they were. So we did, an, an, we did a lot of work around what does change mean? Because this would be the end. This is the end of them negotiating related to their marriage, but when they began to realize that it's not the end. I mean, this is a mediated couple. This is not a litigated couple, right? Uh, when they began to realize, no, this isn't not the end, but it's, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of a new configuration of our family and our relationship. It was much easier to figure out what to do with the rug, right? Mm -hmm. But the, if they, they saw the rug as like their list, right. it's like check, mm -hmm. check, check, Oh my God, we're done. And that was the, so wow. back to your question of, well, sorry, Jessica, what? Yeah, no, go ahead, who got it? No, no, I was just saying back to your question of like how many people want to win just to win? Well, there's lots of people who like to win, just to win. Right. I don't know the percentage. I don't think anybody does, but I do know that the modality that people pick to problem solve kind of also reflects the temperament of the people involved in the dispute in some way or the both of them together. Sometimes there's one person who would want to cooperate and the other person's absolutely not going to. You can't, you have to bring both people to the table. So how do you do that? How do you bring someone who's resistant to, I mean, obviously physically to the table, but also to have their mindset ready to talk? How do you do that? So I work with people as, um, not as a mediator, but as a conflict coach, when what when they when somebody won't come to the table, but they're still engaged in a lot of conflict. And one way to do that uh, is to first understand them. I mean, not even one way. The most basic thing is to understand them and to understand why why they are don't want to collaborate, cooperate. What is it? Right. Now, What's the so, problem? So there's a range of things and you're going to hear from me that I'm kind of annoying because there's nothing that's like the magic bullet because mm -hmm. people are people and they show up with different motivations <laughs> and needs and 
capacities. We don't think that's annoying. I mean, we ask the questions because we know what people listening are asking, yeah. but I think it's still important for them to hear it like, okay, well, there isn't one, a one size fits all answer to everything, but we can't right. not ask because that's what people at home are like, well, why did they ask that? Yeah, no, I know that's true. Right. Um, and I'd ask the same questions like, um, so you asked why? Well, sometimes there's a power and control issue, which is I can't come to the table because of my safety. I mean, right. personal, psychic, emotional safety, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That if I do anything to show any sort of vulnerability in any way, I will be unsafe, right? So that's a sort of one tranche that you go down and you always assess for, right? Other times people are um, concerned, it's not a safety concern, that they won't have the right voice as to speak up as to what they want, right? And often relationships break down because somebody hasn't had the voice to speak up. And then there's some dynamics that happen in a relationship that pull people further and further apart, right? Sometimes I hear people saying to me, yeah, we just drifted apart. We don't even know. It was like, we didn't, we barely fought. We just, we're just not on the same plane. Can't even speak, right. maybe. Right. I mean, lack of communication. I mean, I, I do recall a talk about different styles, like my kids and also the way you interpret it. My kids, my, my oldest would say, you know, I remember you guys fighting all the time. We never fought. Not, not in a way that you could hear. Mm -hmm. It was no speaking, no communication. There was no yelling. Yeah. It was silence. So that was fighting. But in my mind, fighting was yelling and screaming and, and it wasn't. And it was amazing to me. Her perspective was so different from where I was in my head. It's like, well, at least we didn't. Or she's created a narrative all the time. Or she's created a narrative to go along with the fact that you got divorced in order for her to be able to make sense of it herself. Mm -hmm. Like my mother remembers shit that never happened. And like but she, you know, her push could be, but but she was young and they're honest. But she may have just felt the tension. It may have been, you might be right. It might be that she remembers you fighting all the time, but what it really was was like the palpable tension in the air that maybe made her uncomfortable and gave her the perception that there was fighting going on if she, even if she didn't hear you guys yelling. But, but when you're talking about like coming to the table, like I don't know how that ever would have happened. And my divorce was four years long. We were on the path of litigation. We settled that morning of court that we were supposed to start litigating. We had been in front of a panel of lawyers. We had three judges. We had a mediator, a retired judge. And everyone was like, I can't, there's nothing. If you both don't come together, it's just not happening. So that was really my question. Like, how do you make that happen? And are those the ones, the small percentage that ends up litigating? Because huh. it's just a power struggle all the time. So sometimes you get people get caught in dynamics that they wish they could get out of and they can't. Um, sometimes uh, there are things that come about that like, there's a couple of cases I can think of where as much as the couple hated each other, 
they hated spending money on their professionals, right? right? So they were like, we're going to join, you know, there's a common, at least they had a common enemy, like them. Right. But for you, it sounds so heartbreaking because nobody under, sounds like you never had in that experience, somebody to understand you. Like nobody really understood what it was like for you to have to be in this process to get maybe your voice heard or get what you needed done or to be in such intractable conflict with someone who didn't care about what you said, you know, and vice versa, maybe also, by the way, could be vice versa. I mean, I feel like I got sucked into this vacuum, literally like in a tube of a vacuum and just going along the way. Like now you got to go here. Now you got to meet him. Now you got to sit here. Now you got to go there. And it wasn't until the very last minute, like you're talking about the rug. Like now is your day. Okay, now negotiate. Okay, now the rug's done, we're over. You know, like that last little step, it's it's a long way to get there. And, you know, it's, it's hard with, con- you know, as a conflict coach, I imagine that you have every story is completely different. Every person's different, every relationship's different. But like, what are your, what's your advice that you give to people who are in conflict like that? Like, what can they do to kind of make it a little bit easier on themselves? So hard to hear this, but people can always settle. Right. It's but, true. I and, I, and people can always settle. What do you mean? Like, well, people can always stop people. You, you, each person always has the choice to stop the relationship in that way, the fight around the thing, mm-hmm. or to, you always have a choice. It's just a matter of at what cost or how you reframe the narrative around why you're doing it so that you feel that you're still maybe empowered. Maybe that's one of the things that you needed or treated fairly or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, if you were a strict like economist, you do a cost benefit analysis it's costing me this much and it's taking up this much energy and, you know, they right. do a spreadsheet on it. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Totally. Because so people can always settle. So the question is, why aren't you today? What might you do tomorrow? How can you position yourself to maybe get a better settlement? And when your life is no longer in your control, there's always a way to bring it back into your control. There is. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like you my advice would be to make sure you check in with yourself every day and you ask the questions and you speak up because the fear factor, you have all these people around you, the fear could silence you. So if you don't have a conflict coach, who's also an attorney, who's also a therapist to talk to, like, you know, to get your voice out there and not sound like an idiot. You know, like all of that is kind of going on when you're going through a divorce. So you have to be in your head and you have to be in your heart and you have to be your head, your, your sort of quantitative analysis has to be within the, your ability. And there are many things in this sphere to make sure that you can make a choice that you're able to make. And that's another thing. I'm not saying you fly out there and you settle because you don't like conflict. I'm saying uh, you make a choice based on, you might need support systems. You might need therapy to go there. You might need um, a way of having that settlement occur that will make you feel different, right? There's many places to 
to consider. And then once you have figured that out, then there's a plan, which always gets readjusted. Always gets readjusted. Right. Yeah. My question is, I feel like just in terms of your credentials slash qualifications, you're a therapist, you're a conflict coach, you're a lawyer, you're a mediator. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like you're like what everyone's dream would be to <laughs> no, talk to my kids, <laughs> like hitting mm -hmm. them all angles. So I'm a little bit curious as to a, how common that is that, that someone's lawyer will also have all of these other qualifications on a personal note. I'm curious, like, which came first, like, were you first uh -huh. a lawyer and then, or then the therapist and how that and the conflict coach part, I mean, I didn't, and I had never before we had, we were, we were, had booked this interview, I didn't really know anything about conflict coaches. So I'm curious, like, is that a kind of a growing area? And is that something that people should be looking for when they are identifying who they're going to work with in terms of their divorce attorney? If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real life experts who've been through it, telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q and A's with our experts. Plus you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. Are you thinking about dating again after divorce, but have no idea where to start? Maybe you need a little self-esteem boost or brush up on your conversation skills. Are you overwhelmed by all the new dating apps and crazy jargon? If the answers are yes, then let relationship expert and dating coach Jennifer Hurwitz be your thinking partner, your cheerleader, and unbiased opinion when you need one. Divorced herself, Jennifer also survived the dreary dating waters, and so can you. It's her job to set you up for success, help you gain the confidence you need to attract the partner you deserve. If you're open to making positive changes and starting on your journey to finding love, book a free clarity call with Jen today on her website, jenniferhervitz.com. And if you mention the ex-experts, you'll receive a special discount. Okay, quick and go through them all. So start with the back one. The conflicts coach, I call it that. I don't think it's a, and it's the same thing that happens when I'm acting as a parenting coordinator also, the, although there's two parents there, that's post-judgment usually. Um, the conflicts coach is because the person has to, you, uh, let's go back. Let me start and think about this again. There are many people who call themselves divorce coaches. They have a variety of credentials. Right, but they're not I don't, lawyers. What? They're, they're not lawyers, right. Right, I don't know much about that, although I know that it's there. I call myself a coach only because I stopped my therapeutic practice and I wanna make it very clear I'm not gonna be doing diagnosis and evaluations and there's no insurance and things like that. So the word coach has a very, very broad meaning that can go from someone who is a therapist who's providing coaching because they're not providing mm -hmm. therapeutic interventions and services to someone who um, went through something like a wounded warrior, wounded healer type who you know has training and desire and helps out, right? Um, so the reason why I call myself a conflict coach is because there's a lot of times people come to me and say, I want to settle amicably, but the other won't. And in that, in that, the question is, 
if you want to settle, then what do you know? The big question is, what do you know about the other person so that you can give them an offer that you know the other person will accept? It's not what would you, what, what is the offer that you want? It has to be within the realm of what you want. But to settle, you're often, like just, let's make it a very simple one issue, settlement, right? You're always looking if you cannot settle with the other person because they don't understand you, they don't agree with you, they don't believe you, they hate you, whatever. You always have an opportunity to settle if you offer what they want, right? So how to get there though, takes a lot of insight work as well as sort of strategic work, right? So that's what is happening in, for me and most of my clients in conflicts coaching because they don't want to say, uh, be in an adversarial system, for example, uh, but they also can't get the other person to the table. Okay, that's an example of that. Okay. Um, that's sort of different than which can happen too, but that's just, I just want to say, because you probably have other people on that describe other things they do. People who have decided to make a plan, like I'm going to get divorced and they need someone to support them in the process of that transition, right? They've already made the plan. Um, that's just different. I mean, that happens and that's important. Right. You're differentiating like a divorce coach from your goal, right? right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. okay, so that that just happens a lot. It kind of evolved because because what do I do with if I'm a mediator? Both people are voluntarily engaging in a process, right? And if I can't get the other person to the table, they still have the problem. Right. So what can they do alone without the other? Right. Sometimes I do that with parents, not even in parenting coordination. Parents who are having problems with the other parent that they don't have a lot of. Um, knowledge about what's going on in the other household, for instance, and they are looking for a way to parent their child in the best way for the child without knowledge of what's going on in the household, right? That would be- You were just talking about that actually, like when decisions are made and the kids are kind of, well, this is already, you know, post-divorce, but Mm -hmm. you know, the kids are kind of working it, like no, let no parent to go to. So let me do this. So I'm going to do this at his house and right. this at her house. And, and all of a sudden they're not like victims. They're like, uh, like conniving little sneaky people. Yeah. I had clients just this week who, um, they get along really well, but the child was, is really good now at splitting them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well at mom's house. She right. always lets me stay up till 9.30 at dad's right. house. You know, he always lets me eat ice cream for dinner, whatever. Totally. Right. And so we had a long chat together about like how they have to be up here working together and meshed. And like the kids down here. As my father used to say to me, it's not a democracy. Who told you that this living in this family was a democracy? I don't know how that happened. So true. So true. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but we don't reinforce that all the time. That's our problem. Yeah, because <laughs> right next time. It's hard to work, though, when you have two households and you know that there are different priorities in each household, which mm-hmm. you know, probably existed anyway, even when you were married. So right. that definitely can be challenging. Um, yeah. And then, and then, Abby, the yeah. therapy degree oh, is the law yeah. degree. How'd you get here? How'd I get here? So uh, law... 
the law degree came first, but before I went to law school, I worked in residential treatment centers, like in college and in high school for really fragile adolescents. So I always had sort of uh, a window into that. Um, but then I went to law school and then I got completely co-opted into, I went to law school because my professor, I wanted to be a lobbyist helping the agent actually. And my Marxist professor told me that you can't, you can't fight the system unless you know the system, one of these things. So then I went to the system, which was fantastic. And then I got co-opted and I did a lot of different things in law and then um, came back to family and then got a degree and worked as a therapist. I mean, it's amazing. Cause like I was saying, I, I feel like for anyone looking for a lawyer to for you to cover kind of all of those sides and have all of those angles um, and add all of that insight, I would think would make for a much um, easier process. I'm curious, I don't know why I'm so like into numbers and stats today. Yeah. Uh, probably all the stuff that TH and I were working on yesterday, but I'm <laughs> curious to know only because I do know that there are people who go into mediation and then it just mm -hmm. can't work out and they end up having to lit litigate because mm -hmm. they can't come to, to two sides. I'm curious in your experience with both sides of being the um, you know, the therapist and the lawyer, like yeah. do the overwhelming majority of your clients, are they able to work it out in mediation or do you have people that really still end up having to go through litigation anyway? So the answer to that is most of my clients in mediation, finish in mediation, almost the vast, the very, very vast, I mean, in the 99%, but you have to remember it's self-selected that they chose mediation. Right, right. And I do have clients, though, that are in the middle of litigation who then sort of put a pause on litigation to come to mediation. Okay. And those clients are different because sometimes there's a question of law that it still has to be decided by the court, for example, that really does impact a solution. Okay. Uh, and sometimes those clients um, need somebody else to tell them what to do because they're very far down the process. Um, so those I have, I don't know, maybe, um, I'm very annoying as an optimist. Like when people come to me, I'm like, you're my clients and I'm just telling you that my job is to get you to resolution. And they're like, oh, you know, but they, it, I love so that. I'd say that's less than 90 for sure. But that's managing expectations. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So because we speak to so many lawyers, and uh -huh. and um, they were saying, you know, ha they spend, you know, too much of their time and too much of their clients' money trying to be their therapist. Right. Oh, yeah. And and so they send them to somebody else. Right. But, but Abby does literally wear two different hats. So why don't you explain to our audience? You told me like it can't be within the law firm. They're two separate. Oh yeah. Entities. Okay. So um, it is ethically, a lawyer, let's see, a law firm can't have someone with another license practicing that profession within a law firm, at least in New York. I don't know about other states. Okay. And I've been doing this a long time as me, and then I started working in law firms. So what I decided also in my head was, when I started working in law firms, I had a therapeutic practice also. So what I decided in my head was I was Rosemary and coaching, 
uh, and my work is a law firm. So when I do work that is mediation and legally oriented, I work in my law firm. I'm a partner in a law firm, Berkman, Botker, Newman and Shine, family law firm in Manhattan and White Plains. Um, and I do my work there. And then when I do other things like um, conflict coaching, family facilitation, teaching, other things, I do it from Rosemarin coaching. Uh, but you see, for me, I just show up as me. So it doesn't right. so really- it's still you. <laughs> no, just, I know, but yeah. I just wanted to make it clear. Yeah. That was something I was like, wow, you're like a resident therapist in the law firm where your partner, it's but not, not really like that, but your perspective on things, you bring that expertise with you. Yeah. In, in terms of mediation and, and work, helping people work through their conflicts. Right. Yeah, but I'm not good. But like, let's remember, like we all have skills. I'm horrible. I worked in a big, big law firm when I first started out. I am horrible in the litigation model. I'm not good. So you found I'm, your lane. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with negotiation, but I don't care about um, certain things that you must care about if you're going to be a, an astute litigator. Right. Like the rules of evidence when you're cross-examining a witness. It's just not my wheelhouse. Right, right. right. But listen. Right. There's a there's a time and a place and a and a, and a vast need for mediation, yeah. collaboration, you know that kind of amicable divorce process. And it certainly seems that um, back in the day, like litigation was probably the primary uh, route that that people took. And it and it certainly seems like the tides are turning, the trends are moving. More and more people today are understanding. It seems the value of working together to try to get things done like kind of as quickly and as painlessly as possible can't always be done for sure. Um, but it does seem like people are moving in that direction. So there's, I mean, you know, not everybody wants to go in and, and fight it out in court. And um, although we did do a, have, a, have a conversation with a lawyer who's a mediator who had said that it is a misnomer that mediation costs less than litigation. And I guess that's due to you could be your your family with the rug, like you could be dealing, yeah, having people in there who are, um, you know, over and you know, spending hours and hours and hours mediating things, which is going to cost the money. No, I actually would say this. I don't know the, the about the misnomer. I would say because if you went to court and had an order to show cause to bring that rug to my house on Tuesday. You know, I think what happens more is that, and I don't discount anybody who needs to litigate. I think that the whole point of, for me is, you have to understand what you are, what you're about, what the other person with whom you're in conflict is about, right? and find out, maybe you can't have the best decision. You want to do mediation, but the other person wants to litigate. Well, you can't bring them to the table unless you choose to settle in a certain way. Right. I have zero, um, opinion about what mode of problem solving you go into. I just know if the people go into my mode, how I help them, right? And in terms of, I think the other thing is that I do know that people like to be treated fairly. And the question of what is fair, some people believe that fair, and they want to be heard. And I think that some people think that uh, I will be treated fairly by a non-biased judge in a courthouse, right? Right. And that's really important. If that's how you think you're going to be treated fairly, you go there. The cost of getting there is um, hard. 
Uh, especially now in the pandemic, right? Yeah. But um, I also think that if we hear that and say, oh, you want to be treated fairly, what does fair mean to you? Right. That's we, a really big question. We might have greater insight as to what yeah. problem solving process would be better for you yeah. or best for you. So I um, also think that um, it's so painful to go through change. And it is so painful to be forced, to have upon you forced or to want to force a restructuring of a family. Yeah. That, that the time and effort that should be spent should be basically spent on what capacities do you have and what support do you have versus thinking about bad or good because you've chosen this problem solving method. Mm -hmm. right? There's nothing to me to do about that. Yeah. I take people from where they are and then just try to help them that way. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, yeah, there's a, this is how I always think about this. I don't know. There, um, Kurt Vonnegut's um, son wrote a book once. He was bipolar and he's now a medical doc. He's a pediatrician or something. And I'm paraphrasing, but they, he's been, he was asked a lot. Like at one point, I think he tried to like jump through a plate glass window I and mean, he was really sick and now he's not. And he went to med school and he's a pediatrician. And the story that I heard him say is that, you know, he gives his, the nurses his lithium levels every day, or he used to at least, you know, this is where I am. Okay. Really open about it. But there were, to paraphrase him from my memory, so it might not be exact, is he's, they said to him, well, what's it like? He was always asked, like, what's it like to have this be this way? What's it like? He goes, I'm just like you, but only more. Like, I love that. Right? Oh my God, I love that. I know. And I think like when you're in conflict, you're just like you, but only more, right? right? Like, okay, so that's what you are. Let's just think about what that is. And let's see if you, if, if being more is helpful to you or not helpful to you. And yeah. do you want to be more? And I mean, there's so many questions involved in that, but yeah. that's why the, the, a lot of people in the legal field talk about like good, bad. Oh, I do collaborative. Oh, I do mediation. Oh, I do this. I do that. Well, you know, why don't you just listen to what your client needs and then give them, if you can give that service, great. And if you can't refer them, that's right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you guys have done way more divorces than we've lived. Sure. And right. that would have been very helpful to me. A lot would have been more helpful to me. I mean, honestly, that's why Jessica and I started X experts because we didn't have the kind of resources that are there for people today. Mm -hmm. And we want people to know that you have choices, you have right. options. You right. don't have to get sucked into the vacuum. You don't yeah. have to feel intimidated. There are people to help you figure out the best way for you to figure out this huge change in your life. Yeah. And, you know, kudos and lucky are those people who have worked with you because you do oh, have nice. a certain mindset that, that keeps it. Right. Gives them a lot of different things more humane. You're not just working a system. It's a human yeah. being. It's a life. It's a family. It's a dream. It's a change mm -hmm. and right. and so you know that's really that's really awesome yeah well, thank you um, that. I, so we're gonna have to yeah. end there um would love to have you back and talk more about this because it, it is so interesting and and loving like your perspective on all sides 
Um, for anyone listening who has questions for Abby, please let us know what they are so that we can um, oh, get yeah. that information and, and she can share it with you. And for people that are looking uh, to reach out to you directly or want to find you, what are the best ways for them to find you? Um, I think the best way, the easiest way on a podcast would be to, if you look at rosemarincoaching.com, R-O-S-M-A-R-I-N coaching.com. That also links to my law firm, which has a lot of names to it. So you can just click through and link. Okay. It's also my personal website so that you can also see my perspective on lots of things, right? Including um, my blog or whatever. But um, I think that's just easier. Perfect. And we'll have yeah. links to that on the X Experts site as well. Yeah. And for anyone listening who you have anybody in your life that is thinking about getting divorced or going through a divorce um, that can use this kind of information, please feel free to yeah. share and forward to them because this is valuable information that can actually really help so many people. So thank you, Rosemary, for uh, Rosemary and Abby for taking the time today yeah. and spending um, the time with us because this was just such a great conversation. My pleasure. And I am so excited by what you do. I really just is like when I heard about it, I have to tell you that this idea of having this platform for people is like just um, so creative, but then also so you and also so useful. Right. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you. Kudos thank to you, you too. Thank, yeah. thank you. Yeah. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Abby. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media, at X-Experts, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.